I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Dr. Kelly Jones. And this is Big Strong. Yes. Welcome to Big Strong Yes, the show where two best friends read books together and live joyfully ever after. This season, our book is Burnout by Emily Nagoski, PhD, and Amelia Nagoski, DMA. I'm researcher Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich. The reading we'll be discussing today is Burnout, the Conclusion, Joyfully Ever After. And this is our BSY season two finale. Go to chipperish.com and look under Big Strong Yes to find the complete schedule or look for the link in your show notes. All right. So, Dr. Kelly Jones, here we are, yet another BSY finale. So this is kind of exciting. It is. After all of these years, we brought this show back. And once again, um, I think part of what makes BSY so incredibly powerful is not just the book that we're reading, but that we do this together. And that it's such a community. You know, we have all these people in Discord, the listeners who are coming in and commenting on things and talking about the ideas. Um, and I think that makes it so incredibly valuable. And that's why I love doing this show. Um, it's I missed it. It's unusual for me because usually, you know, I'm doing story analysis and story expert stuff and that kind of thing. So to do something in which uh, you know, we talk about things that are so deeply personal um, is kind of a divergence. And yet, like this show, I think has been out of all the podcasts that I've done, one of the most powerful once. Um, and I've so loved coming back and spending this time with you. It's always fun. Thank you. Every time I ask you to do a podcast with me, uh, you always say yes. And I appreciate that. Oh, <laughs> it's always fun. It's always fun. Uh, BSY is, is I don't know, it's really special. I mean, it's it's just, it, is. it really is. Um, and I love deep diving into mm -hmm. the books with you. Um, because it's always about more than the books, right? I mean, the joke yeah. is, this is a podcast about books. It's, you know, it's a it's little bit about the podcast. books. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a podcast about books, but yeah. mostly it really is just about you and me talking uh, through these ideas, like it just mm -hmm. kind of hitting into these ideas, looking at them critically, and then talking through them. And uh, that has been so incredibly valuable to me in a million ways. And it's it's very funny how, you know, there are these resonances uh, between what we did in the first run of BSY yeah. and, and and what we've done here, which I think is really, really fun. I've had a really good time. Um, but let's go ahead and start this week's discussion with our homework. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm going to let you go first on this one because, um, <laughs> because of how I didn't do my homework. Uh -huh. Did you do your homework? <laughs> I love how you don't do your homework for the finale. Like that feels like... <laughs> Such a rebellious, like, so on brand for me. So yes, on brand. Absolutely. It's so on brand. <laughs> um, yeah. So our homework was gratitude journaling. Mm. And part of that is easy, right? The yeah. people I'm most grateful for are always on the top of my heart. You know, Noel, mm -hmm. you, my son, Patty and Jen, Clay, Susan, Bonnie and Jennifer, like E.E. E. Cummings mm -hmm. was right. I carry your heart in my heart. Um, you know, and 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 I've I felt that way. I think it, it's really interesting how BSY enabled that for you and me. Yeah. Like, yeah. we always would have been friends, but it's mm -hmm. very different, you know. And when I say I carry your heart in my heart, like, I'm not, it's not a metaphor, you know. It's yeah. there and it's lovely. Um, and, you know, for these people, like my one-inch square, this is the one-inch square, you know, in yeah. my heart. I'm mm -hmm. grateful that these people exist 
you know, that they are who they are and that they're in yeah. my life and that they're in my heart. Like, I don't struggle with gratitude in that way. It is it is yes. pretty much top of mind for me all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but gratitude for how things happen. Mm-hmm. That was tougher to rumble <laughs> with. Um, so first, well, for our finale, like define exactly. your goddamn terms. <laughs> what is gratitude? So when you ask Google this question. The results are kind of hilarious. So the top results are quotes about gratitude. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Which is great. Mm -hmm. Then I went to the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, like the Plato database. And Uh it was this broke. They have equations in there for gratitude and like r equals this and i you know like and oh my it- god okay uh, pardon my gendered language but a fucking man did oh, yeah. that right yes yes it's all built on the work of dead white men it, uh- it was so funny and it's yes. and it's mm-hmm. written in such like high level academic speak mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. i i was howling i mean cracking up by the time i got to the end of this it was you know the ethics of gratitude and the yada yada yada. and i was like okay that's enough of that um right and so in in just in reading different people's perspectives of what it is um there there are several organizations devoted to gratitude practice and to sharing the words but the the definition that i finally came down to that works for me Mm-hmm. is gratitude as gratefulness as an appreciation of goodness. So that yes. is receiving and giving intentional care, presence, mm-hmm. synchronicity, magic. Like gratitude means there is goodness in the world, in other people and in me. Mm-hmm. And and I like that, like the frame of mind. Um, it's so easy to slip into the be grateful for what you have, which while that is important, sounds like voices scolding me as a child in my head. So gratefulness, gratitude as goodness in the world, appreciation for Mm -hmm. goodness works for me a lot better. And the, the journaling piece of it, I find helpful because it requires mindfulness in the moment, but also in memory. So Uh if you're reflecting back, or reminding yourself, then you are remembering, like you are remembering again, this Uh gratitude, and it is an emotional experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was really curious about this, because when I want to intentionally shift my mood, because sometimes Mm -hmm. I get real pissed off and grumpy, um, there are videos that help, right? So, you know, most of them are musical, or they're funny, or like a quick clip of Cameron Esposito or Hannah Gatsby or Tom Holland <laughs> dancing to Umbrella. And like, uh, it's not a uh, cure all, but it lit like it, it does helps. lift yeah. my mood. And mm-hmm. I struggled a little bit. I kind of scoffed at the idea of gratitude journaling doing this, but yeah. it actually does. Um, so then I tried to take that and apply it to the way things happen. And, mm-hmm. and then I was like, am I grateful for my insomnia? Hell no. But there are times when someone I love needed care in the middle of the night and I was awake. Um, Mm -hmm. Once when I was a teenager, our big potbelly stove in the living room overheated and was glowing red like lava and like, oh, my God, pulsing in it. I mean, (gasps) it was 
it was unbelievable. It was very oh close to exploding. Um, but I was awake and I caught it and like we were able to prevent oh. that. So I'm like, okay, eh, am I grateful for insomnia? No. Can I pull at least one positive thing out of that experience? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, am I grateful for my broken arm and my body pain? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Is there any goodness in that experience? I don't know yet. But I, mm-hmm. I think that's a question worth pursuing. You yeah. know, um, am I grateful that I became a single parent on my 21st birthday and struggled like hell, you know, and experienced yeah. more loneliness and disappointment than I can express? Sometimes, yeah. Uh-huh. Sometimes, yes, because of how that shaped me. So, like, it's, I don't want to Pollyanna, you know, this shit to death, but I think gratitude as an intentional practice like when you are specifically focusing on that really does help. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is really hard to remember to do that every day. Like it is. (laughs) And it's hard not to go into it as a total smart ass. So like, I, (laughs) you know, that was a very long answer for my homework, but I love it. Well, I love that you went into this defining things, right? Because (laughs) I didn't even, and the thing is, is that you and I've been friends long enough that I should know that the first thing you do is define your goddamn terms. But I, when I, when you're talking about defining gratitude, all I'm thinking is, well, gratitude is the act of being grateful for something. Like, it feels like a base idea. It's a base concept, you know? Um, and so I find it really, really interesting. I'm going to go ahead and, like, confess something that, you know, we've already kind of touched on. I didn't do my homework. Like, I was supposed to write in a gratitude journal every day. I was supposed to write down every day what I was grateful for. And I did not. Not because I didn't want to. Not because I was resisting. Because I plum fucking forgot. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't write it down that I was supposed to do this in my little reminder app. And I just have a million things going on right now. So um, so I came to this script a couple of days ago. And I was like, ah. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. So I wrote down some stuff as I was going through this idea of, of what I'm grateful for. And I like this idea of it's it's an appreciation for the goodness, you know, um, an appreciation for the positivity. Pauline, I think gratitude is is an active verb kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. you, it's not just that you're like, oh, I'm really glad this thing happened because blah, blah, blah. But like you have to go into your experience and pull out and extract the positive from it, even if the experience in itself is not on the whole a positive experience, that you extract that. And I've actually done that kind of, I mean, that's how I got yelled at for my chipper gibberish. That's how (laughs) this company was named because I do this, that Mm -hmm. positive reappraisal stuff. I do that naturally, like I pull out a good thing from almost every disaster, you know, Um, almost everything, I will pull out something good. But I don't, I mean, first of all, sometimes that tendency in me, I think, is um, is toxically positive. You know, it's like, no, 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 it's all okay because I cannot sit with things not being okay, right? Because I cannot have it. Everything has to be okay. It has to be positive. There has to be goodness there, you know? Um, and so now, like for me, trying to sit with the discomfort, trying to sit with the things that actually do genuinely suck, mm-hmm. allow them to suck, not try to fix it, 
for the people that I love, not try to find a way to make it positive. Um, for me is actually an exercise that I kind of need because I think that there's always a balance, you know? Um, and so, so I've been kind of working with that and thinking in terms of who am I grateful for? Again, like you said, that's easy, right? You know, who am I glad to have in my life? I mean, you, Noel, Ian, the kids, their dad, his dad, my boss, m most of my coworkers, um, my friend Asia in town and yes. the crowd on trivia night. I went to trivia night this week um, for the first time since the pandemic, uh, for the first time at our bar. Um, and, uh, and so we went in and I saw all these people, um, who's there's this team of, of, of people in their like mid to late sixties who kick our ass every day, every week, like every week. And I went in, I said, we're going to kick your ass this week. And they were like, okay. And we did not, but <laughs> it was so fun to see them. It was so fun to hug them. It was so fun to see how they were doing and to learn about what's going on in their lives. And it was just really, really fun. That was a really wonderful experience. So I'm grateful for that, you know, mm -hmm. grateful for the people, you know, being grateful for how things happen is an interesting question. Um, you know, I've I've had some disappointing things happen lately, like especially with regard to my job, um, you know, and I, so I've thought about like how disappointed and kind of angry I am about how things are working out, like how my workplace, not my workplace, but like the people at the top are completely ignoring how working from home benefits some people. Mm -hmm. They've just shut the door on that entirely. Everybody's got to be back. Um, and that's it. You know, there's no option. There's nothing. There's no flexibility in a, in a school that prides itself on having a flexible work arrangement option. But, you know, it's, it's this kind of thing where they're just not allowing it. Absolutely. You know, blanket statement. Um, which makes me feel like really not valued. It makes me feel angry because, you know, like it works for me. And if anything, I've been more productive working from home. Um, so but my boss, like my personal supervisor, you know, from day one has been the absolute best. And I love her. And she is a good chunk of the reason why I do not want to leave this job, you know. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that, like, I look at this situation and I think maybe it's time. Like, you know, this job gave me security and safety when I needed it most. This job is the reason I didn't lose my home. This job is the reason, you know, that I was able to get through so much of the past, you know, four years. Um, but now I've got some things I need to do, you know, which like including building and expanding Chipperish and how story works, getting the book written, um, doing more video work, opening up coaching services and writing classes and all of that kind of stuff. That's what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. That's where my energy should be going. So here I am in a situation that did not turn out the way that I wanted it to. That was not what I was hoping for. And yet I look at it and I think maybe this isn't what I want, but it's what I need. You yeah. know, and for that, like, I definitely have have a sense of gratitude for that, even though it wasn't the way that I wanted it to go. But a lot of times when I look back at my life, the things that I wanted had everything always worked out the way that I projecting forward had wanted it to go. Um, I think that. I think that I'm better off in a lot of ways for having had things, you know, uh, go wrong, mm -hmm. you know, or go the way that I didn't want them to. Uh, most especially when the sociopath left. Yeah. Like I was devastated. That was the last thing in the world that I wanted. I prayed every night that we would somehow find a way to fix it. But having him gone 
clearly the best possible outcome in that situation. Um, you know, so, uh, so yeah, like having the gratitude for that, I think is, especially when things like I can, I can usually find like a positive way, like, oh, no, this is good, because, mm-hmm. you know, can usually find a positive angle at which to, to look at things. Um, and this is it's not good. It sucks. And it sucks for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with me for the people who work there, you know. Um, but for me, I feel like I can take this as kind of a sign like I, you know, like a sign from the universe. Mm-hmm. Get up, get out, quit this job, move on, you know. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm feeling I am feeling grateful. The act of looking at that situation, which during the week had made me feel kind of like sad and angry. Um now makes me feel resolute, you know, and if gratitude has that kind of alchemical transformative power, you know, um, to just not necessarily be like, oh, I'm really glad that this happened this way, you know, but that because this happened this way, I am now able to see something I wasn't able to see before. And that can be a really good thing. So gratitude as a as a pair of vision shifting glasses or whatever, I think can be really valuable in that way without getting into a space that I've been in a lot, which is that no, 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 it's okay, because I can't handle it not being okay. It's more, no, it's okay, I can bring something positive out of this, and still acknowledge the ways in which it sucks. Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think I mean, I think that's that's one of the the keys and like why the journaling journaling is deeper mm-hmm. than I'm going to flip the switch and just say, well, this is a good thing because X like yes. you got to journal through what sucks to truly yes. get to right to unearth what is the mm-hmm. goodness here. And I think that for me, gratitude, like the way that I have thought about gratitude in the past was gratitude was holding hands with guilt so Mm -hmm. gratitude led Mm -hmm. to being beholden be -hmm. grateful for what you have so stay put and shut up be grateful for what you have so don't quit that job that was so good to you just stay there forever because you should be grateful and and sit back and stay still and shut up Mm -hmm. so intentionally breaking gratitude from uh, intentionally breaking gratitude as a vehicle to enable guilt Yes. I think requires intentional mindfulness, but that skill set is incredibly helpful for me. So like mm-hmm. these two things can be true. I am grateful for something that happened yes. in this way or at this time. Mm-hmm. That does not mean I have to do X. So like right. that's a new way of thinking for me that has been really helpful too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I do find that really helpful. But I think that that's the thing is that in order to do gratitude properly, or in a way that is truly, truly helpful, it has to go past that surface level of I'm going to decide that I'm grateful for this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I got hit in the face, you know, by my husband, but I'm really grateful that I didn't bruise too bad. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Like, you yeah. have to acknowledge that it's that that what is not okay is not okay. And it is okay for those things to be not okay. Yeah. But you can also take a look at it from a deeper level level and see something in there that you can pull out that is is positive and that works for you and that helps you use whatever even that shitty thing is as a launching pad into another space you know um 
So I find that I find that really interesting gratitude. And I think this is my resistance to gratitude journals, because let's face it. um, Yes, I did forget. But also, I didn't write it down to remind myself, which is something that I do with the things that I want to make sure I don't forget to do. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, if I want to make sure I don't forget to do something, I write that shit down. And I did not with this because gratitude journals sound really twee to me. They have that hashtag humble and blessed kind of thing, you know, going on. Um, and I don't, you know, it's it's the it's the sign from Hobby Lobby that says, in this house, we practice gratitude, you know, um, live, love, learn, you know, yeah. um, all of that kind of stuff um, feels very twee and very surface level. And I think that there is a way to, to build into, to look at gratitude in a way that is deeper than that surface. I'm going to smile no matter what, like that kind of thing. Um, you know, to, to have a complex gratitude, Mm -hmm. um, I think is really where you want to go with that. And when I look at gratitude journals, it feels very surface and very twee, but I think that this, even done last minute, forgot to do it every day, forgot to like even that it's it's given me something really valuable to think about in terms of acknowledging and digging for what it is that I'm grateful for. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I, and I think like moving into kind of the, the reflections, because I stayed yeah. pretty much on this topic. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between performative gratitude and like mm-hmm. down in the dirt. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> gratitude. You know. Dirty gratitude. Dirty. Like a dirty martini, right? Yeah. Like I like my gratitude like I like my baptism. Like a little bit muddy is what I'm saying. And like I don't I think that there's <laughs> there's real there's real power in that. Where mm-hmm. a a performative gratitude, you know, hashtag yeah. live laugh love. <laughs> I can't say any of those things without making that sound. It's completely involuntary. Yeah. And anyone who loves that, like my apologies. Um, Uh, Right. You know, but I I think that there is something to nitty gritty gratitude Mm -hmm. journaling that is very different than this kind of prettied up polite, right? This ain't big, strong cotillion. Once again, like I think that... I think a certain amount of dirtiness is required <laughs> to get down to it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but I've been thinking about, okay, so joy and gratitude mm-hmm. are, are big things. How And they require intention. Usually, if I am not yeah. experiencing them hardcore in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. How do I draw a sacred circle around joy and gratitude? Because here's the thing, like what you were just saying, I never, I mean, never, (laughs) ever, ever have to remind myself to feel stressed out. I have never once had to put that on a to-do list. Uh I never forget to be burned out. I don't have to be reminded to be exhausted. Like, if that was the habit tracker, I would I would right. be like perfection. Like every exactly. freaking square would be colored in. Like no, <laughs> like it would just be a thing. But uh-huh. but calling joy and gratitude back to me intentionally, mm-hmm. focusing on that when it feels like my entire body is made of exhaustion, stress and burnout. <laughs> like that shit is yeah. hard. Um mm-hmm. but it is a practice I want to develop because I want to cultivate peace 
within myself. Yeah. And so I've been thinking a lot about, you know, burnout, like this is the conclusion of this book. And I think for me, the opposite of burnout is not self-care. The opposite of mm. burnout is peace. And self-care yeah. is a vehicle for peace. Right. But the shift mm-hmm. that I want to make is away from my primary state of mm-hmm. being as burnout to my primary state of being as one of peace, knowing right. that they will, you know, there will be days of burnout. Like right now, there are occasional pockets mm-hmm. of peace. But right. I want I want that to swap, like to truly uh-huh. inverse right. those two things. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, wish me all the freaking luck in the world on that because I don't know how to do it. But I think that that, that is the goal to shift mm-hmm. the predominant state of being, the to balance. shift the default. Yeah. Yeah. Turn mm-hmm. that shit upside yeah. down on its head. Yeah. I, uh, as you're saying that, I'm trying to imagine how that existence would, how that kind of an existence would feel mm-hmm. where where the the chunk of my life that goes to like burnout and stress and exhaustion is actually spent in peace and calmness and all of that that's that's a really interesting idea i like that um i also like the the dirty martini version of gratitude i think that that's something i'm definitely going to take with me Um, but you know, as we go into our reflections, like, um, I've been wicked stressed this past week. Um, not just because of the news from my job, which I found heartily, heartily disappointing. Um, but also that, um, just everything, like my life is completely changing, you know? And so I, you know, I'm looking at this book and I'm looking at what we've talked about and I'm like, oh, let's complete that cycle. I'm just going to go and I'm going to, you know, do some exercise and complete that cycle. Um, or as, as is sometimes the case, eat a handful of Hershey's Kisses because that also <laughs> kind of completes the cycle for me. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not as good for me as the exercise, but you know, I like it. So, um, but this whole like hugely transitional period for me, and I haven't been through a, um, a transition like this, you know, since the big trauma, that was the last big transition. And in that I just had to hunker down and create a safe life, you know, um, and I did that and now I have to get out of that safe life and kind of like do some other things. And that is um, incredibly stressful and nerve wracking for me. I have been in my entire life. I have always moved toward whatever the change is. Like if you threw something at me and said, you got to pick up everything, get rid of everything you own, fit what you can in the trunk of a Toyota Camry and drive with two kids and a cat to Ohio. you know, specificity comes from personal experience. Um, I will do it. Like that's, I'm like, yes, I am always that person. I am the person who, when standing at the edge of a cliff and looking over, always jumps, you know? Right. Um, and so, you know, the, the only huge transition in my life that I did not choose was that hugely traumatic one. And that was the last one that I did uh, mm-hmm. against my will, kicking and screaming and crying the whole way. As many of you remember, because I was still in the, in the descent of the jump off the cliff when uh, we did BSY last time. Um, you know, but the thing is, like, now I am choosing 
the cliff. I am choosing the jump. I am choosing the fall and how I fall. You know, mm-hmm. um, I remember you talking in BSY one season one about how, learning how to fall. Right. Yeah. And I feel like I know how to do that. Like, even though I don't feel like this huge transition is going to be a fall in the sense of your whole life falls apart and whatever, but just that like, I can jump off this cliff and I know I'm going to land. I know I'm going to be okay. Um, you know, so I think that there's, I I guess the reflection that I came to is that I think that there's a space for honoring who you are when it comes to this stuff. Um, It's not just complete the cycle or engage in positive reappraisal or whatever, you know, it's doing those things in ways that are genuine to you, that honor who you are, that, that take into account the way that you function and your complexity that are dirtied up for you, <laughs> your specific alchemical, you know, dirt um, that you need to bring into it. And for me, that's jumping off the cliff, mm-hmm. you know, a thing that a lot of people would not willingly do, but I do all the time because that's how I live my life. That is something that, um, that inspires me and gets me going. I like building up from nothing. When I have something, the first thing I want to do is get rid of it and move on to the next thing. So, <laughs> um, so that's the the thing that I'm working on now. And I feel like wherever I land, I'm going to be okay. And getting ready to claim my full self again, everything that I was before, you know, um, and, and come full circle around to that, but with an appreciation of it, um, is, is I think where I'm going now. Yeah. Well, no, and <laughs> I, where I am. yeah, and I love this. Um, and, and when we get to our favorite part section, I have thoughts about yeah. BSY one versus two, but for now, mm-hmm. like, so, you know, I learned a lot about towering from you, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. from your book, the fortune quilt, like, and that was one of the mm-hmm. things that got me interested in tarot. But what is, what mm-hmm. is so interesting is like if we picked a tarot card to represent season one of BSY, yeah. it would have been the tower. Like there's no oh, question, absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. But the card that comes immediately after the tower is the star, yeah. um, which is my favorite tarot card. Mm-hmm. And when I think about you and the the healing and the transitions that you have made, that's what it feels like. So and like mm-hmm. there is a huge difference between you know, you're sitting up in your tower, you're minding your own business, you're watching Netflix and bam, like the whole <laughs> fucking thing falls down to, yeah. you know, you're standing at the top of that tower and looking down and out and you're like, huh, yeah, I got me a rope and a parachute. I'm gone. So like exactly yeah. crumbling versus jumping, you know, they're yeah. two very different intent. They're two mm-hmm. very different experiences. But I've, I've always found it fascinating that the, the card immediately after the tower is yeah. the most hopeful, positive, loving in the whole New deck. start, whole thing. Everything's coming up roses. Yeah. Now. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but it, it also reminds me of that, you know, following the, the North Star, like star as navigation, mm-hmm. um, you know, or star as as they're always there even if you can't see them but like that's really the the change that I see in you and in your life and Mm -hmm. I love it like it makes me so goddamn happy um (laughs) but that makes perfect sense to me that Mm -hmm. that is the space that you are in now um and it's truly beautiful to see well it's you know uh, standing on top of the tower and choosing to fall (laughs) choosing to jump Uh getting that parachute ready yep um you know it's it's empowering 
mm-hmm. you know, to choose like I built this and it served me well while I needed it. And now I need to move on to something else, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm excited about that. But I have found that my instinct has been to hold on to all of these things like you know we talked about how um like in abuse when you're a kid you develop certain um strategies to survive being in an abusive household and then when you bring those strategies with you when you are no longer in that circumstance then they don't serve you they end up becoming toxic in and of themselves that you don't need those strategies anymore you can let that go you know Mm -hmm. if you if you wear a scuba mask while you're in the water fine but if you wear it all day every day no matter where you are it's going to get in the way of you being able to live your life you know, and um, and like I, I felt that need to hold on to as much of the safety and security that I built during this time when I don't think that I need that kind of safety and security anymore, that I will bring my safety and security with me, you yeah. know, in other ways. Um, so uh, so, yeah, this is uh, it's it's interesting and you know and the idea of the star coming after the tower i hadn't really thought about it in that context but yeah that makes sense so yeah crazy yeah crazy four years baby (laughs) um but this is the burnout finale we we had it's funny because uh you know we put all this stuff together and then i thought there was like a whole chapter here at the end but it was like two pages pages. but but still we have so many notes and so many things to talk about that i think are going to be really interesting but how did you feel about the joyfully ever after uh, i almost said confusion (laughs) which kind of uh, tips my hand as to how i felt about it but the conclusion so i was a little surprised um it, but there's something in here that I love so much that it overwrites yeah. my mm-hmm. you know confusing but they you know they said it di- it turns out that we didn't write a book about happiness but there's a different word that appears in every chapter joy mm-hmm. and my first response was does it though and like I really <laughs> wanted <laughs> to go through every single chapter and find the word joy. Oh, you know they did their homework before they I know, that but like I just mm-hmm. really want to nope. double check. And then I want yep. to count. So like I want a, a word count for right. how many times joy appears in the book. Because um, mm. joy and the bikini industrial complex, I don't think are compatible. And I was just like, hmm, really? Okay, really? Like, let's go through and code this text. Because right. that's mm-hmm. a big statement to make. But mm-hmm. the chapter on meaning and the chapter on connection, I do feel aligns with the yeah. idea of joy. Um, mm-hmm. And I remembered us talking about joy in season one of BSY. And that was really yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really liked uh, they said that the stepping stone to joy is feeling like you are enough and feeling not enough is a form of loneliness. We need mm-hmm. other people to tell us that we are enough, not because we don't know it already, but because the act of hearing it from someone else and equally taking the time to remind someone else that they're enough is part of what us, makes us feel we're enough. We give and receive and we are made whole. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the same level of like yeah but but make it you know nitty-gritty and dirty because (laughs) performative you are enough Mm -hmm. is very different than showing up when things are hard and messy and broken Mm -hmm. um but i think it is as important to give that as it Mm -hmm. is to be opening open to receiving it um, and I really like that. And I and I like that their idea that, you know, this is not needy, neediness. 
Like this is Mm -hmm. part of being human. And I like that wanting it is as normal as your own need to assure the people you love that they can trust themselves, that they can be as tender and compassionate with themselves as you would be with them. And, Mm -hmm. and tender is the word that it just like split. Like it was this huge thing because tenderness is so different for me than self-care or compassion. Tenderness Mm -hmm. is magic. Tenderness is Mm -hmm. the ultimate experience of what it means to be human. Like that is, that's as good as it gets. And Mm -hmm. I realized it's a word I hardly ever use and I hardly ever hear, you know, um, and that is really where I want to focus both in giving and receiving to self and others is this idea of tenderness. Um, It's a huge concept. I want like a whole book on what it means and how it's different than these other words. Um, You know, but they, they close this, this conclusion with the, uh, with the statement, your joy matters. Please Mm -hmm. tell everyone, you know, your joy matters. I'm like, hell yeah, Mm -hmm. I will carry that. I love it. I'm like, I can forgive everything else. Because Mm -hmm. that is that good. (laughs) I love it. Well, I love that you ended on such a positive note with it. With a book that has been, at times, a little bit challenging. I was a little more challenged by this conclusion, I think, than you were. I really love the way that you defined, because you did in in episode 13, season one, BSY, Big Sloppy Wet Kiss, you defined your terms. And you said happiness is external, future-oriented, transitory. It's wonderful in the moment, but it's like smoke, it doesn't last. Joy is internal, consistent, not dependent on others, our essence, our soul. We always have access to it and other emotions are felt on top of it. Uh, That's why we can grieve and still know joy. Joy is the love of life and the love of being connected to life. It is a state of mind or a state of being like contentment or hope, whereas happiness is is essentially transitory in the moment, you know? Um, and I love that. And I still go back to that. I still see that as being the, the yeah, the, the really good definition of happiness versus joy, you know. Um, and I think that they quoted Brittany Cooper, who I quite like, and she kind of says the same thing. Happiness is predicated on happenings, on what's occurring, on whether your life is going right and whether all is well. Joy arises from an internal clarity about our purpose. Um, so I like that. I think that that harmonizes really well with the way that you had expressed it in season one of BSY. Um, but here's the thing, like, I get to a certain point where they say something, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, dude, on board, got it, got it, got it. And then it feels like they contradict that idea, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so later they say, as we considered what it means to live not, quote unquote, happily ever after, but joyfully ever after, we realized one last heretical truth. It doesn't come from within. It comes from connection with fellow givers. The stepping stone to joy is feeling like you are enough and feeling not enough is a form of loneliness. And to a certain extent, like I get, I get that, that not enough feeling um, and that connection with other people is a huge path to joy. I mean, one of the biggest predictors of like long life is not that you quit smoking or that you go running for, you know, 10 miles every day, but that you have a strong community. Community, feeling like you belong within a group 
is is a huge predictor of like overall mental health and physical health and everything, you know? Um, so we've known that for a long time, like having connection, having community really, really super important. And I get that. Um, but that whole thing about we need other people to tell us that we are enough, not because we don't know it already, but because the act of hearing it from someone else is what makes us feel we're enough. And I bounced off that so hard because that is absolutely not my experience. People tell me how great I am all the time. And I think they're just being nice. They're just being nice because they're nice people being nice. And aren't they nice? You Mm -hmm. know, but clearly I'm, you know, defective and awful. And aren't they really sweet telling me that I am enough? You know, like I have never believed it, you know. Um, And but yeah, when people told me I wasn't enough in any possible way, I believed that wholeheartedly. So I never really had that balance. So the idea that we need other people to tell us we are enough, that that cannot be internally sourced. But I believe that joy is internally sourced and that idea of being enough is also internally sourced. So the idea that they are saying that you have to get that through an external source just kind of felt weird to me, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, And then they go, the cure for burnout is not self-care. It is all of us caring for one another. And again, I do believe very strongly in community and in us caring for each other that that is very important. Um, But also that... I don't think us caring for each other, especially, you know, in situations where you have relationships with people that are that are truly supportive, that are not toxic, where we are genuinely caring for each other, you know, um, then, yeah, that's hugely important. But the act for me of caring for you is very powerful. You know, like when when we text each other, as we do all the time, you know, and um, and we say, you know, hey, baby, how you doing? And that's always like the way we open up our texts to each other to check in and, and see how the other's doing. Like that is an act of care that we give to each other. And it is really good and it is really valuable. But you doing that for me, if I wasn't also doing the work on myself internally, would never be enough. I become a bottomless pit of need so that no matter how much you pour into me, it will never be enough enough, you know? So for me, I need to, um, to do that for myself. Hey baby, how you doing? Yeah. You know, for me, so that when you do it for me, I can truly appreciate it and feel it rather than have it be like, sorry, I'm not doing this for myself. So you need to give all of that to me, you know? Um, so, so in the one hand, yeah, absolutely. But you also like the idea that you don't internally source that, to me strikes me as as false and hollow. You have to internally source that care so that you have a bottom. And when somebody pours that care into you, it stays with you rather than just floating right through into this bottomless space. Um, So yeah, it's, to me, it felt like, again, it's one of these things where like, you know, I look at it and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like there's more here than what we're talking about. And so it felt to me like that just needed um, needed a little more context. Yeah. And I, I think this is um, an oversimplification for a conclusion. But in yeah. listening to you, I agree that, yes, you have to be able to receive that care, which means yeah. you have to be doing some of the work for yourself. And I think the piece of that that I understand now in a way I didn't when I was younger is so Mm -hmm. much of the self-work, so much of the self-care is Mm -hmm. still inspired, empowered, enabled by other people. So for example, Mm -hmm. 
reading Rising Strong was a life-changing experience for me. Now, I did Mm -hmm. that work the first time alone, but Mm -hmm. I need that gratitude to Brene Brown for having written that book, right? Her TED Talk, like, opened something in me. Um, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic opened something in me. Hearing stories from other people about how they have recovered from Mm -hmm. trauma, people sharing their honest experiences, like, even some of the novels, like the the things that help me, the frameworks that help or the philosophy that helps or whatever, mm-hmm. were still created or shared by someone else. And yes. so it's not that, oh, you know, this friend telling me you are enough, keep going. Like, <laughs> right. But I think the the idea that some of that is about connecting with others Mm-hmm. is receiving what other people have put in the world, whether or not yeah. you, you know, you personally know them. Um, that is, and, and that is a form of gratitude that I find very helpful as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that it, this is an oversimplified conclusion. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do, I do like a lot of the, a lot of the ideas in here. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's, yeah, I think there's a lot of good stuff. I just felt like it needed a little more. Oh, yeah. I needed a little more of that because I myself had been a bottomless pit for so long because I wasn't taking care of myself because I wasn't caring for me, you know? Yeah. Um, so that it didn't matter how much people said to me that was awesome. And the vast, vast majority of my interactions with other people have been positive and wonderful and people have been, you know, good to me, you know, um, with the with very few exceptions. Um, the exceptions were big, right. but there were few, you know? Um, so I, I just know that it wasn't until I had started doing the work and I had started internally sourcing what joy I could that the bottom finally showed up in that space so that when you pour your care into me, I can actively receive it and it's there and it continues to hold me up, you know? Um, so, so that was just kind of something that, that I felt reading it. I was like, wait a minute, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so here we are at the end of burnout. Um, what is your overall response to the book itself, to the whole experience of reading burnout? So, I, you know, at big picture, um, mm-hmm. burnout has been a great catalyst for rumbling with some things I don't normally rumble with, like, mm-hmm. not on purpose, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's been a great catalyst for other reading. In a way that I would not have expected, because everything in this book that did not work for me led me to find another Mm -hmm. perspective. Um, And I really like that. Um, So the the too long don't read, because I felt like that was, you know, we got this every chapter. I'm like, oh, all right, here we go. Here's the TLDR. Yeah, the TLDR. (laughs) uh, Science is old. And move slowly. Mm-hmm. And most research is inherently biased in the way society is biased. Privilege limits our perspectives in ways we can't see. All forms of dehumanization are evil. Take what works from you from the book and leave the rest. Like, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. <laughs> what about you? What's your overall response to the book? It, it, well, you know, it is funny because I came in every week going, wait, I read this book, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, there is a huge difference in reading something because when you read something casually, you take the positives and then stuff that doesn't make sense, you just leave because you're tired and you're just reading the thing. You know, mm-hmm. when we read critically together, um, I don't think I've ever had such a 
like divergent experience of a book from when I casually read it to when I critically read it. But the critical read, I think, was actually even more valuable for me um, because I had to kind of bump up against my own set of default presumptions based on my various axes of privilege. And I think that that was valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, really taking a good, a good critical look at completing the stress cycle and how that works. I think that was really valuable. Um, I found the process of discussing this book a little frustrating, you know, because I like these writers a lot. I mm-hmm. like their voice. I like their attitude. Um, I like their extensive list of citations. Oh, yeah. I like their science focus. But it feels like some of the central thesis can sort of disintegrate a little bit if you look at it too closely, which is something that I felt happening when I really took critical look at it. Um, but I've taken a lot of, you know, value away from this discussion, like the the bit on making meaning, uh, connecting with your something larger. Uh, all of that actually speaks to a fiction, a piece of fiction work that I've been rumbling with for a while. Oh. And so I was kind of excited about the way it it gave me a, a new avenue for looking at some of the themes and world building in that. Um, you know, like I already knew the game was rigged, so that was not a surprise. But the body discussion, while really, really hard, was incredibly valuable for me, mostly because of you. Oh. Um, you know, and I will get to that when I get to my favorite part. Um, I unfortunately was not present for the connection chapter but the discussion of when you were little who held you when you cried hit me like a ton of bricks yeah um noelle's discussion of the shared movement between people who are incarcerated and people who are far away from them was so incredibly touching and i loved that um and i also love you know a little meta that the chapter on connection was done by my two best friends to support me while i buried my mother like that was really meaningful to me yeah. and um and i i kind of love that it was the chapter on connection that I got to step back and watch to, you know, two of the people to whom I am most deeply connected have that discussion. Yeah. Um, so that I thought was, you know, there was a lot of really great stuff in the process of looking at this book, both things that were valuable in the thesis of the book itself and things that were valuable that came from the experience of talking about it and reading it critically, yeah. um, which I think is also another level of value that comes from from these discussions. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but the the connection chapter, like that, that is my working definition of magic. Like it was so yeah. beautiful and mm-hmm. and such a great way for you know Noel and I to be able to express love for you mm-hmm. um, yeah. and the timing of that and Mother's Day week. I'm like, yeah, this is this oh this is what I'm talking about. You know, with <laughs> with the magic of the universe. Like it was just yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your big idea or your aha moment from the conclusion? Um, I mean, honestly. Like it was you, it was you from season one, uh, revisiting this idea of happiness from external things and events. Joy is internal. Um, and, and, you know, also kind of really thinking about how is my internal joy sourced? Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what are the sources of that joy, that meaning that something larger that comes from me? Um, and how do I keep that motor running? I think actually I'm, I'm, I've got a fairly good sense of of those joys that are internally sourced, um, a, ver- a fairly good sense of where my meaning in my life and my work is um, and how to keep that motor running. But I think that there there are times where that joy gets a little bit, you know, thin on the ground. There are times where everything else, especially when you're talking about the balance, like I think when you're talking about the balance between peace and then burnout and stress and exhaustion, like the peace is where that joy sits. And, and if you don't have enough daylight, 
for that sense of peace. Your joy gets kind of crunched in in that, you know, so opening up that space for peace opens up more space for the joy um, and for you to fully experience it. So that to me was kind of the aha moment that I was thinking about while, you know, going through this week's material. How about you? I really like the idea of assuring the people you love that they can trust themselves, that they can Mm -hmm. be as tender and compassionate with themselves as you would be with them. And, and the, the, the word tenderness, like I'd love it anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that is a better framework for me than self care. How can you respond to yourself right now with tenderness? Um, Mm -hmm. self care for all of its good stuff still sounds like an item on my to do list. Yeah, but tenderness, as the way of doing those things, Mm -hmm. if I do something Mm -hmm. You know, if I make you a cup of tea and bring it to you and, and put a washcloth on your head, I am caring for you. But if mm-hmm. I do that with tenderness, that is a yeah. different intent and experience. Um, you know, and I, and I keep coming back to this idea from Bell Hooks about modeling love in action. You know, when she said we are born able to receive care. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that every good example we give to ourselves and to others is valuable because so much of what I have learned Mm -hmm. about love in action and about tenderness, you know, for Mm -hmm. myself and for other people, I have learned later in life Mm -hmm. by watching people do it, you know, receiving it and, and watching them do it for themselves and for Mm -hmm. each other. And, and like, I'm a huge believer in making our thinking visible because it helps everyone learn. And I think the same is true gratitude, self-care, and tenderness, like we share our stories to express what it means to be human. And I think we should share the ways that we are tender with ourselves Mm -hmm. and others, like that awe and appreciation of gratitude as a celebration of that shared humanity, which comes to me about this, you know, this final statement, your joy matters. Yeah. You know, your joy, Lonnie, for me as someone who loves you matters. Mm-hmm. And and I, I just think that that's beautiful. That's really nice. Yeah. That's really nice. <laughs> um, all right. So that moves us into the strong challenge. What did yeah. you resist? I mean, this was a fairly short, yeah. you know, reading. So how challenged? I mean, clearly, we already know what I was challenged with because I couldn't make it all make sense to me the way they were they were presenting it. Um, but what about you? What did you feel challenged by? See, I'm an academic. I can take one uh. word and run with it. <laughs> Like this is not fine. I can I can be challenged by a sentence. It doesn't take much. Um, but the the Brittany Cooper quote uh, that said joy arises from an internal clarity about our purpose. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, wait, um, because <laughs> internal clarity is joy, and external happenings as happiness. That makes sense to me. But I really mm-hmm. pushed back on the idea of joy arising as an internal clarity about our purpose. Because what does that say? Without a purpose, we're meaningless, worthless, incapable of joy. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't believe there's any one true purpose to rule them all uh, any more than I believe there is only one soulmate you can ever love. Like Mm -hmm. that is too limiting a definition Mm -hmm. of what it means to be human. Um, What if you don't find that one thing? Like, come on. It's it's too (laughs) narrow a view and it feels too focused on a kind of acquisition. Find your purpose and you will find your joy. 
Like, mm-hmm. n- no, I don't think so. Um, there are many ways to experience and cultivate joy. And, and maybe on the grander scale, like everyone's purpose is simply to be human, to live a human experience. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you're some things larger. Yeah, I think that is very important. But I do not think that is the only pathway to joy. Um, yeah. So I just push back on that because, yeah, all mm-hmm. it takes is one word. One, I'm like, nope. one word. <laughs> <laughs> So for yes, now, um, you are not assigned homework for the conclusion, so you don't have to do it. But what yes. are you what are you taking with you from the experience of reading this book? You know, um, I've been thinking about making space for my own burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, this book is aimed at like curing the problem, which is kind of a default approach, right? The self-help, the idea of self-help is let's take what's broken and fix it, cure yeah. the problem, fix the problem, forget the problem, move on, right? That is the whole plan. Um, but I was thinking about like, what if we made a space to honor the problem? You know, like I'm burned out for good goddamn reasons, <laughs> as are we all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I burn out because I'm trying to do too much. I'm expected to do too much or expect from myself to do too much, either, you know, from me or from society, uh, to just do more than I have the energy to to do at the moment. Um, and what I want to do is learn to live within my energy boundaries, uh. you know, learn what saps my energy, learn what feeds my energy and try to figure out how I can build a life that keeps my battery in the green, you know, um, And I think there's an opportunity to honor the burnout rather than treat burnout like some kind of failure, some kind of problem that we need to fix, that you're burnt out for a reason and understanding that reason, honoring that reason, um, and, and finding a way to, to look at it, not as a failure or a problem, but a, a signal, but a communication, you know, that something needs to be addressed, be looked at and be be held, maybe be held with tenderness, maybe yeah. for a little bit. And maybe that would help. Um, so your burnout is a natural response to a life that maybe asks too much of you and maybe gives too little. And when you burn out, when you're fucking exhausted, when your body breaks, when you want to cry, when you just fucking cannot, maybe the first response shouldn't be to fix it. Maybe the first response should be to sit with it and allow it, which is something I capital S struggle with, like (laughs) allowing myself the time. And like, you know, I mean, I think I've talked here about how like when my body is in pain, instead of addressing it, I will insist that my body is wrong for being in pain and I will do whatever created the pain just harder until, you know, and make it so much worse, you know. Um, And I need to allow myself to experience and honor my own burnout rather than rush, rush, rush to fix it. Um, Some things need to be honored and addressed. And maybe some things can't be fixed. Maybe they shouldn't be fixed, acknowledged and addressed. But the burnout response is a good response. It keeps us from killing ourselves. So that's kind of I think the the thing that I'm taking away from this book, which is the self-help book geared to cure your burnout, you know, yeah. um, is more the uh, what I want to do is understand my burnout, what makes it happen and see how I can work with it instead of against it. You know? Yeah. I love that we come to the end of a challenging book and you spin it and then I'm like, okay, that reframes everything. That is my favorite part. And that is what I'm taking with me. Like, holy shit. <laughs> honoring the burnout, Mm -hmm. making space for it, 
and honoring your energy boundary. Where is the book about energy boundaries? <laughs> Holy damn. Like you just I don't bring know. it at the end. I'm like, what? we need a whole season about that. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, that just amazes me. Because I just had made it like a short list of like the stuff that's easy to remember, you know, like complete the cycle. You have to do something. The mundane mm-hmm. can make you mighty. Acknowledge the heart up front. Plan to deal with the stress. Rewrite your origin story. Figure out how the bleeding started so you can prevent it from happening again. Hi, Bonnie. What do you need? Honor and process your rage. If you make only one change in your life after reading this book, let it be getting more sleep. Healing hurts and the old strategies for managing old pain don't work. Your joy matters. And then you come in and you're like, yeah, let's reframe what burnout means and why it's there and like completely change it and like work with it. And I'm like, holy fuck. Thank you for rewriting the entire book for me. That's great. (laughs) I love you. And it's so funny because as you say that, I'm looking ahead in the script to what my favorite part is. And bullet number one is reading it with Kelly. (laughs) Uh, Because no, seriously. I'm like, is that cheating if my favorite part of the book was was this kind of meta experience of talking about the book with you? Your baby, what do you need for your body? And the idea that the only thing my body ever tried to do was keep me alive fucking changed my life. Like I <laughs> go back to that every single week. And those of you who are rolling your eyes or marking off your bingo cards because Lonnie mentioned baby, what do you need with regard to the body chapter again? Um, you know, go ahead. You win the bingo game. Um, but yeah, like that. The way that you have that you have reframed certain things and talked about some of these things has completely opened up a space for me to address things that I didn't even realize needed addressing. Mm -hmm. My body has only tried to keep me alive. Jesus, I still sit with that every day. So like my favorite part of this experience, as it was in BSY1, and I loved those books. I mean, those were great, great books. Um, But it is walking through this experience with you, looking at it closely and having these discussions that allow us to kind of crack into something really powerful and meaningful it's like it's like getting a vein of meaning in the middle of the rock you know like we crack through it and we find that vein and then you know you have your whole awakening with tenderness and I have my whole awakening awakening with maybe the burnout has a purpose and we should honor that you know um and then in the end you know we've come through reading a book but we've also gotten so much more out of that experience. And so, yeah, like my favorite part of anything I do with you is doing it with you. Yeah, same. I love reading (laughs) with you. I love talking Mm -hmm. about story with you. I particularly love reading with you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is going into a text with a story expert, period, (laughs) just because you read deeply. And like that Mm -hmm. is that is a Uh, attribute of a person that I deeply love is like (laughs) you want it like you want to get in it like let's read deeply like oh my god (laughs) it's just one of my favorite (laughs) things um and I love doing that with you and I love it because our perspectives are so different Mm -hmm. that you bring up things I would not have thought about and then you just reframe like thank you for rewriting the book in two minutes (laughs) giving me an entire different way to think about I need to go and redo every season episode now for season two because holy shit this is a whole different thing and you do that so easily like you just put something in your notes 
And I'm like, excuse me, that's grounded theory. Like, we need to talk about that. Like, come on. Um, it's so fun. I had the same experience with you, though. In BSY season one, every week you would come in with a reflection that fucking killed it. And I would always be like, oh, my God. You know, like what you are. The Kitsugi thing with the fixing, yeah. with the gold and everything. Oh, my God. And I still think about that to this day. Like, there are so many things that you come in with. So, like, yeah, I appreciate that you feel that way about me but my god you do that to me almost every episode yeah. like it's so every cool. episode there's something where you just blow it open for me yeah and it's amazing well, it's so the, yeah you're my you're my favorite part and Kelly. you're my favorite part and the magic of reading together is real uh, but yeah. i mean litter and cohen was right you know there's a crack in everything that's how mm. the light gets in like that's a real yeah. a real thing um but for season two like my favorite part is just all the growth and change since season one <laughs> i mean holy shit like yeah self-deprecation is not the the primary flavor of bsy exactly. anymore and and right. you know we got past most of it we got past <laughs> Every now most and again, of it, would it still come up you know yeah. yeah and like mm -hmm. we've got the tower you know kind of like we we called in the you know like the rescue cleaner the like crime scene yeah. text and like that's done <laughs> and then there's like there's been a couple garage sales so like things are sort mm -hmm. of tidied up on the ground and like that's good <laughs> and like that's okay and yeah. we've excavated some things that are that are worth keeping but it is mm -hmm. it is a true change I mean not just in in life circumstances but in mm -hmm. in how you think and how I think and being able to have both of those experiences with you yeah. um seeing that joy break open in you seeing more peace for you uh moving closer and closer to the no fucks bedrock um <laughs> like I love it I love it I love it I yeah. love it um and for the book I really liked the chapters on meaning and connection um, yeah. But I think my favorite part of the book is just your joy matters. Like it's it it's so simple and so important. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. And so easy to forget. Yes. So, but this was fun. I can't believe we closed it a was. second season. I know. My God, how crazy. I, I think we had to come back. Oh, I just yeah. don't think I want to go that long without doing a season of BSY with you because it's just so much fun and it's so much joy. And you know what, Kelly? I've just discovered my joy matters. Yes, it matters, Lonnie. <laughs> you are enough and your joy matters. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to go too long either. Um, and thank mm -hmm. you to everybody who came along with us yeah. for a second season. Uh, this is so much more fun with your conversations and your support in Discord and your perspectives. Mm -hmm. um, so for the last time for season two, to join in the discussion <laughs> on Twitter, follow Lonnie <laughs> at Lonnie Dine Rich and me at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag Big Strong Yes. And be sure to follow Chipperish Media at Chipperish to stay connected with all of our podcasts. You can find out more about the Doctors Nagalski and Burnout at burnoutbook.net. And hey, did you know Patreon supporters who chip in at $10 and up get to attend show recordings live? And we've got a bunch of people here who've been hanging out with us the whole time. And our post-show discussions are fabulous. Also, we've got a new stretch goal. Once we hit 500 subscribers, we will unlock the monthly chip chat where I will host a private one-hour Zoom call to every supporter who, to talk about like whatever you want. So if you haven't pledged your support yet, now is the time. Speaking of supporters, this episode of Big Strong Yes was brought to you by the Chippers Media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These folks are the reason why Big Strong Yes is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to Abby, Alice, Christina, Erica, Jonathan, Kevin, Kristen, Rose, Sarah, Shelly, Stephania, and Stephanie. And this week's special message for our power producers, trust your body. 
Be kind to yourself. You are enough just as you are right now. Your joy matters. Please tell everyone you know. All right. This is our finale for this season of Big Strong. Yes, I am going to start on my Sandman podcast and list with my co-host, DC Comics editor and author, Elisa Quitney. Woo-hoo! We start with our analysis of the comic books and you, the show will be in your favorite podcast app starting June 29th. Uh, Kelly's going to get a little bit of a break while I do that. Then we're going to be back with another season of How Story Works talking about structure. And that is going to be so much fun. Structure is so complicated and so interesting. Yeah. and I love it. It's going to be really fun. Um, in the meantime if either of us reads a book that would be good for big strong yes you know we will be back and if you're in the discord chat let us know what you're reading and make your recommendations until we are back on bsy again today's closing quote is by alice walker in nature nothing is perfect and everything is perfect trees can be contorted bent in weird ways and they're still beautiful